Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who just launched their fourth-generation performance package and their Shears 2.0 nail grooming kit. Join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME. DiCaprio's first movie, it's a Mad Men Mad ripoff, and Conan and Spy Kids try again in 2011, this week on 302010. Welcome everyone to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back 30, 20, 10 years uh, back in pop culture release history. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, now in Aromascope. <laughs> It's me, Sarah, and this episode is about love. Oh, mm. yeah, love stories in every decade. Yeah, are any of them good? Eh. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> we had some surprising ones. It, it, it's a, um, a complete, almost a complete lack of TV. So we're going to play fast yeah. and loose with that. Thank you so much for joining us. If you don't know, what we do we count down the television, movie, music, video game, and more viral video releases of this week in history. 30, 20, and 10 years ago. This week in history, as of right now, is August 13th through the 19th. Uh, get in line, people. We'll be talking about what came out in 1991, 2001, and 2011 across that one single week. So get ready to time travel. This is going to be fun. Um, even though, I swear to God, I have never seen a week in movies like this for 1991 that seemed like it took place in a parallel dimension. Like, what? What are these? I've never heard of any of these. Uh, and But anyway, before we get started, uh, we should thank... Our patrons, including executive producer Connor Ritter over at patreon.com slash laser time. You get a brand new uh, 302010 experimental show. Th- what is it? Nobody puts 302010 in the corner? Nobody puts classics in the corner. Oh, God. I'm going to have to type that every time. Um, and <laughs> where Diana's Classic Corner has been expanded into a brand new experimental monthly show. So let us know what you think. Um, if that's something you'd like more of, uh, we do believe in trying to hook our patrons up with uh, whatever they see fit, because they're the ones who keep this show going, has kept it going for six yeah, yeah. six and a half years, almost seven seasons. Wow. Beginning as we always do, 30, 2010, August 13th to the 19th, 1991. Not a bunch of news to get through this week, because there's too many obscure movies to have to navigate through. 1991 movies, August 13th to the 19th. Hot Shots is still number one at the box office. That's pretty astounding. Not only did it knock yeah. down Terminator 2, one of the biggest movie, the biggest movie of the year, it stuck around. It's a comedy people love, but I remember kids love talking about this. Top Gun was huge. Uh, Yeah, comedies don't really stick around like that, do they? No, not usually. People don't go back and laugh again. (laughs) You sound like somebody should run the marketing campaign. Come back and laugh again. I did for Bridesmaids, but that's the only thing I could think of, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, uh, The Burbs. I saw that comedy twice in the theater. Wow, have I seen a comedy twice in the theater? This is a good question. J.R. Rawls, why did you think of it? Who Does are you, J.R. Rawls? <laughs> Does Aladdin count? I did yeah. see Finding Nemo. I know I, I know I saw that twice. Okay. I saw Finding Nemo at least twice in the theater. Yeah, I'd say that's a comedy. Yeah, yeah I'll take fair it. Fair enough. I'll take it. I've laughed, and I've laughed more in several Marvel movies than Zac Efron movies, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw that in there. Yeah, I saw Endgame twice <laughs> the theater. <laughs> the hilarious Endgame. Yeah, it, it has moments. Real gut buster. There's what 90 minutes of humor in that movie. But yeah, it's a big week for movies. That I'm going to guess most of you haven't heard of. The, the, the movie I've heard of is, is 
the third from our lowest, like popular and gro- mm. high grossing. But once upon a time in China, at least I have heard of Jet Li, Rosamund Kwan, Bio Yen. Yeah. So I hate that we're opening the show with like the strongest recommendation we might have because <laughs> this is a, a freaking outstanding movie and it is not available streaming in the US. Really? Out of there. Can't even rent it. Couldn't find it. Maybe someone's added it. I don't know. Yeah. Once Upon in China, directed by Sui Hark, also known as Wang Fei Hung. And you know that because they say that name a hundred thousand times. Um, <laughs> the first of six films and a TV show. Wow. And it is Jet Li, kind of his big breakout role, and he is fucking amazing. I wish I had seen this on a big screen because the action scenes are fantastic and they go real fast. Like, I don't think they're speeding up the film either. And they're like, they're big, crazy set pieces. Like the big battle in the end is like in this room made of a million ladders. Because why wouldn't you when you're making a kung fu movie that's actually kind of Chinese nationalist propaganda, mm-hmm. like Ip Man was, because it's about like how bad colonialism is. But it does have the added benefit then because it's a movie made in Hong Kong and they're like bad Americans and bad British people. And for once, it's us white people who have the shitty dubbing. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Oh, they are really funny. All the Americans are from Texas, of course. Yeah. So it's like 1880s and it's all about, you know, oh, those Westerners are trying to take over China and take all our stuff and ruin our culture. And then these guys are like fighting to help people. Yeah. (laughs) Again, China, it's great. We never did anything wrong, I guess. (laughs) 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 It's like, it's kind of, it's it's a lot like It Man, which was during like World War II and dealing with the Japanese where it's like, okay, technically you guys are right, but I can tell this is Chinese nationalist propaganda. Mm. That doesn't make you wrong. You just get an asterisk. But no, colonialism in China, you're right. That's some bullshit. They're trying to steal your stuff. You should kung fu them. Okay. <laughs> Give them kung fu, everyone. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and part of the problem, though, is it turns out kung fu versus guns. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty much how they, they pretty much argue. Like, that's why we lost with colonialism. <laughs> because of our noble kung fu. And they had cowardly guns. And it's like, you're technically not wrong. <laughs> but oh my god see that's i think this is the the oldest jet lee i've seen where he's like 28 and wow that's still is, wow. pretty old i mean I, it's god damn he and just like a lot of the other guys in there are, are freaking amazing he did a ton of work with jackie chan and sammo hung too and yeah once upon a time in china is one of the best kung fu movies i have ever seen and oh, i'm damn. so pissed that it is so hard to find well, that shouldn't stop 30, 2010 listeners. Um, everyone it. head to Daily Motion and we'll, we'll all watch Once Upon I a Time. I think it might be there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, a movie I, I have never heard of with a cast I would not have heard of in 1991. Hugo Weaving, Genevieve Picot. You can't pronounce that T, can you? With a name like Genevieve. Picot and Russell Crowe in Proof. What the hell? What the hell is Proof? This is an Aussie movie about Hugo Weaving, who is blind, but a photographer. Huh? And it's it's like he's he takes photos and then like he has people describe the photos and like sees how their descriptions like go together. And it's like proof that a thing was real. And then he is like becomes buds with Russell Crowe. And then there's like a love triangle. And yeah, it's supposed to be pretty good. Could I, Again, could I find it for American audiences? No, I couldn't. And that sucked. Hmm. <laughs> probably available to rent somewhere and i just didn't find it but the reviews are all like really really good but i don't even think it came to the america in 91 
So we didn't know who any of those people. We didn't. We hadn't heard of Hugo Weaving yet or Russell Crowe. Who the hell are these blokes? Am I right? Huh? <laughs> They're tiny babies. They're tiny babies. Hugo Weaving, Russell Crowe. Sounds like a bunch of wankers. No. <laughs> said I'm going to rent Critters 3 for 99 cents on Amazon, uh, <laughs> and, and, which I did. Uh, I'm happy to report I have not – I don't think I've ever rented anything for 99 cents that wasn't wow. like a, part of a super-duper sale. But there's Critters 3 with John Calvin, Amy Brooks, and the cinematic debut of Leonardo DiCaprio, which is so surreal it should ruin what's not a great movie for you. <laughs> It, it, it is. He. I remember seeing him in Growing Pains and just like thinking, "That's a pretty kid." Um, mm. I, should I be having these thoughts? And he looks. He looks ridiculous, and his acting mannerisms are like solidified at this role at like ten years old. He's playing uh, like nah, the, he's like he's like fifteen, maybe. Maybe but, uh, he, but lo- he looks like ten. He You're looks right. ten, and he's playing the romantic lead to a prepubescent girl. But he. But I've watched certain movies of his so many times like this is hilarious because he, he's some of these mannerisms have have stuck completely and you could recognize that you could recognize his character on sound even though his balls have not dropped uh but critters three other than that pretty i i, I do want to give them credit because it doesn't have a gremlins budget and having them right. ball up and to move around they move way faster than the gremlins they are more formidable than gremlins but it is Easily the best Gremlins ripoff that exists, the Critters films. And this one, I don't know. I just was like yeah. so bored. <laughs> I almost yeah. watched it just to try to keep up with me watching something scary every night to begin spooky season. Oh, spooky season. But I just couldn't bring myself to do that with Critters 3. I feel like, I don't know. It's not Is it spooky. scary? Because like. Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, in a little kid kind of way. Because I, I was always scarier than Gremlins, but not okay. like by a lot. Yeah, because okay. they do Cause they do murder so these little things. Yeah. They okay. murder and eat. Well, murders they are eat. scary. Yeah. yeah, they got big old teeth, and they go. Gremlins okay. hit you on the head with a mallet and kind of let you go. But uh, yeah, the critters <laughs> yeah, will eat point, you. They are cute. Yeah. But then moving on to, I God, I meant to look up what this movie was. What is the movie starring Mark Curry and Martin Lawrence? We have your answer. Talking dirty after dark. Yeah, it's weird. We have this movie and the next movie are both like crazy shenanigans after hours in the city movies. Yeah. This one, I mean, reviews are pretty rough and it made like no money. But it, we need to point out this is Martin Lawrence's first starring role. Yeah, man. It's like it's oh, a wow. vehicle for him. It's not like House Party or yeah, him pop it up and do the right thing or something. And his show like, has, hasn't premiered yet. Nobody knows who Martin Lawrence is. Nope. And no, he the it, the film the maker of this movie is the creator of Martin. Wow. Oh. Okay. So obviously this this guy had bought early on the Martin Lawrence stock and end up, you know, paying off. I totally thought this might have been like a stand-up, stand-up movie. comedy what a, concert. What film. a great name for a stand-up movie right? with Mark Curry and Martin Lawrence. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I just figured it was, you know, one of those. I know. That makes so much sense. And he plays a stand-up in it. Well, there you go. It's halfway there. Yeah. Instead, no, it's just about like he's getting chased around by like mobster folks. And no, no. And like, oh, that girl gets mad at him. And and he's trying to find a condom. Wait, uh, I'm describing a different movie. That's a booty call, like, baby. Yeah, booty yeah. call. Booty call. Get some saran wrap. Is that still legal? You can go to jail for using legal. saran wrap on a lady, right? No. Um, and... Well, not for that kind of condom. I see. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of things you can do with saran wrap, just not that. God, you yeah. ladies. Chicks are so green tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, and and then, if we haven't, it's coming up. Um, I, I see the play. B.D. Wong, Terry Polo, Ethan Hawke in a movie called Mystery Date. Not to be confused Wong. with Blind Date? No, but it's pretty damn similar because, yeah. again, we're running around craziness, uh, mistaken identity, getting chased around town after dark kind of thing. Mystery Date. We have a trailer for you. It's the date of his dreams, and Tom McHugh really wants to put his best foot forward. Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Unfortunately, tonight, Tom's got two left feet. Too many women. And too many enemies. Oh, hell's breaking this one. Uh, Mystery date. The first date is the worst date. Tom, I'm up into your face. It's all good. Sneak peek. Oh, uh, wow, this is like the white version of the movie we just described. <laughs> it really, really, is really is. Based on the board game? No. Okay. You got no, the dud! <laughs> They, they just use that title, okay. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they run into the Chinese mob, and a bunch of people think that he's actually his brother, who's like up to no good in this vintage car, and there's like dead bodies in the trunk. And Ethan Hawke does some pretty good physical comedy. I mean, that's pretty fun. But like, I found a good clip. Wow. Okay. This is like his first first movie I've heard of him being in since like Explorers, and he's a full fledged adult. Ethan Hawke. Grow up. When you open the door, will your mystery date be a dream or a dud? Oh. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. You all made this <laughs> reference, and I made the Simpsons reference. You got the dud. I actually put both clips in there, and I forgot which one I deleted. <laughs> I'm like, you got the dud. It looks like Bill Apps. <laughs> Oh, it's one of the greatest uh, Simpsons memes you can find. Look up Homer smile uh, during that scene. But also, like, that's got to be pretty awkward on your resume. Like, I was the dud in Mystery Date. Um, Honestly, that dud doesn't look that bad. He looks like a model who's been disheveled a little bit. Yeah, he's a little wrinkled. Like he's like a wrinkly cowboy. Like, okay, I'm down. Still he's like the a... Travago guy. Yeah. <laughs> What? Oh my goodness! Yeah, not like that fucking Priceline idiot. Oh, that's, that's William Shatner. Who am I talking about? Yeah, I was gonna about? say, do not besmirch William. Who's Shatner the guy who's always way? dressed up like a like a like a hotel chauffeur or something like that? Oh, Captain Obvious. Captain Obvious. There he is. I think. Do you think that's Brian Stack? Because I did, but it's not. It's it's another it's not another improvisational legend. I couldn't name if there was a gun pointed to my head. Okay. Um, yeah. I would guess. But and then lastly, but semi leastly, I've never heard of this film. <gasps> Um, Adam Arkin, oh Elizabeth Perkins, Mandy Patinkin, uh, Christine Lati, and William Hurt in The Doctor. From Touchstone Pictures, he was a doctor <laughs> who became a patient. Doctor, you have a growth. You beat it. We don't have it. She was a patient. If you want to shout, go shout at the doctor. Who became his inspiration. I am a doctor. Not when you're sitting here. It's a story about honesty. The system stinks. Courage. Fight it. And the incredible feeling of being alive. <laughs> William Hurt, The Doctor, rated PG-13. What? <laughs> I love this movie. Oh, God, I was worried you would. That's, that's just because she has a huge heart on for William Hurt, always has. And uh, excuse me, Patinks is where it's at. We all know this. Yeah. Oh, Patinks, and a little bad. Adam Arkin, too. Mm-hmm. Just for funsies. Uh, yeah, I mean, goddamn, this is... It's a movie you feel like you've seen a thousand fucking times, even though you can't put your finger on where. Because William Hurt is an asshole doctor, and then he gets sick, and now he realizes that, like, 
oh, being a patient is hard and I should have compassion. That's like better for everyone. Mm-hmm. The end. The- Crying, yeah. hugging. Yeah. I put the Disney really home video it. guy in the trailer. Let's go. I I could do without the little side part. I mean, I love Elizabeth Perkins so much. Yeah. Um, and she does play a specific and significant role. Her character does, but I just wish it was a little different, a little less between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it, I really love. Like, I, I like the story of this doctor who has the tables turned. I mean, he's not just a doctor, he's a surgeon. He's a mm-hmm. cardiothoracic surgeon who, you know, oh. he's an asshole. And kind of rightly so, you know, surgeons have tend to have that sort of complex about them. The mm. God one. Um, yep. And all of his little friends, his surgeon friends are the same way. And he really gets to like see the other side of it. And I think it's done really well. I mean, I also don't, there's not a lot of movies about the medical field. Yeah. That, and I kind of like uh, that. There it's are little... three Dr. Doolittles. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> but I really like that. I mean, there's lots of TV shows, of course, that get into right. this a lot more, mm. but as a bite-sized movie that's about adults for adults, it's a grown-up movie, and I'm wow. I'm kind of yeah. into it. Do you, know, I do, you, also... do you know what the book it's based off of is called? A Taste what? of My Own Medicine. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the ti- what a great title. Let's not do that. It makes it's, sense. Yeah. Especially since he gets throat cancer. Like, it's just, oh. no. I don't know. I really liked it. I also very specifically remember my parents watching this with me around because they never hired a babysitter apparently when I was a child. And for years, this was one of those things that you have in your head from a little kid where you're like, there's a scene that I know and I don't know anything about it. And it's the scene where he's like, he can't talk, but he's writing to his wife because he wants her to yell at him. Mm. And that was stuck in my head for like probably 15 years before I finally was able to describe it to someone and they knew what it was and was able to tell me that it was this movie. (laughs) It's like such a little kid thing. I think everyone has a little bit of that. Like something you see when you're a little kid and you're like, did I dream it? Was it a thing? I can't describe it in a way that anyone will explain it to me. Mm -mm. You're such a weird kid. I can see why Roman Reigns hated you. (laughs) (laughs) I also have to say, too, this movie is the epitome of bistro vibes, (laughs) which is this thing that, if you're not aware of, is a a thing, aesthetic that I have recently become aware of. Uh, Jason Diamond wrote a great article about it for GQ about bistro vibes, which is just that, like, that 90s slick back hair, um, casually casual, like, khakis, go into Wolfgang Puck's sort of situation that, like, Mm -hmm. was the aesthetic at that time. And I have, like, very fond memories of because that was like my childhood like that's kind of how my parents were and stuff and how like I felt like all the cool movie stars were so this movie is kind of the epitome of bistro vibes and I if, <laughs> if anything about that aesthetic resonates with you then I would say definitely seek out that article by Jason Diamond because it really like coalesces exactly what I'm talking about and I was really happy to find that because <laughs> it puts into words a thing that I like the doctor is all right it's like yeah. I, I really like i just was walking around for like a two days just holding my head like i know i've seen this kind of story before where the fuck funny is it? people is it tv movies is <sighs> it fun where where have i seen something yeah i mean it's like all i could say was like 
no, Doctor Strange starts this way. That's not what Doctor Strange is about. It's about having superpowers. Jesus right. Christ. But it's like the same thing of like, yeah, you're an asshole doctor. And then, oh, now here's what it's like on the other side. Is it or David like, Duchovny's an... playing God? <laughs> I don't know. Or yeah, it's the, it's the see how the other half lives. I've learned my lesson thing. Um, life stinks. So yeah, I just mm. watched Life Stinks. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. But I specifically for doctors, I feel like that's a thing. And I cannot, for the life of me, give another example. I, I mean, I like it, too, just because specifically healthcare is horrible like oh, in the United States. And it has been for such a long time. But I do like I I think they should do this again. I think they should remake this. And because it's only gotten worse. So much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. is there a scene where he, gets, where he gets a bill for $10,000 for being driven in an ambulance for 30 seconds? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Were you done with the doctor? Yeah. I think um, so. Why, why do you, I don't know why I think I remember this. Was this just hugely famous? On TV this week in 1991, uh, Paul, the, uh, Paul Simon holds a free concert in Central Park and it's broadcast on HBO. Yeah. I feel like I've heard this referenced. I know I haven't actually seen the show. Wait, does he, does oh. he, does he reunite with Art Garfunkel on stage? No, okay. that's confusing because he did this 10 years before Simon and Garfunkel did a free concert in Central Park and reunited. And okay. so, so there's actually two different Paul Simon <laughs> free Central Park concerts mm. and you, you, they kind of get combined, I think, in people's heads. Now, this is uh, the one because Graceland and Rhythm of the Saints have come out. This so is Paul the one Simon with more like, Africans. <laughs> right. So, you know. It's, but it's still, what's really weird is finding out the crowd estimates. Like I kept seeing 600,000 people and I was like, wow, that's a lot. I can believe that though. I mean, that's a lot of people. And they're like, actually, you know, the area around where the stage is, it holds about 45,000. So we might've been off by like more than 10 times. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, every estimate is just wildly off someone else's. It's yeah, like, you, you count all the cab drivers driving by as attendees. Was like, well, everyone within a mile, maybe it's hundred thousand people. Yeah, anybody could hear it. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that happens and it's broadcast on HBO, and it's yeah. it seems like and some it comes weird. Comes out as a DVD, or it comes out as a VHS. It comes out as a CD. I mean, it's it's a big show. It seems like a weird tradition HBO has of like broadcasting free concerts from Central Park. I know other artists have done it uh, with them as yep. well. Mm -hmm. Garth Brooks, I think so. On the seventeenth, we get the premiere of Best of the Worst. From Red Letter Media, I'm just kidding. Um, of Greg Greg Kinnear's best of the worst. Yeah, has that does this ping with anyone? No, so no it's not a, anyone. It's like a, a compilation show that he hosted at the same time as he's hosting Top right. Soup at this point. Oh. So, because I had to check the dates, and and I know we because had just talked about before Talk Soup. before it was the E Channel. It was like all shows like Talk Soup, and yeah, he, well, he this was like is the one guy on who's Fox. Okay. Oh. But it's like a little lighthearted compilation show where he goes through the worst element, the worst movies, the worst places to get married, all the worst of life, which I don't it's, know, sounds interesting. I, I, but like, I, I just think it's kind of funny that like Greg Kinnear, actor Greg Kinnear has like two kind of weird hosting jobs at the same time during this time period and then doesn't ever do it again. Like goes on to be an actor and then that's it. Oscar nominated actor, even mm -hmm. though uh, it is odd to hear, like, it's not quite Forrest McNeil's review, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a show I never get tired of recommending. I don't care if it's apropos here, but, uh, best of the worst that premieres with Greg Kinnear books, books this week include some of all fears, which yeah. is a big, which, the big uh, dad book by I'm, Tom Clancy. I've never seen the movie, but I imagined Morgan Freeman said it. Someone to the sum of all fears, mister. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> 
I think the movie is actually pretty ride. good. And it took so long to turn that one into a movie, though. Considering 2002. Like, this is like Tom Clancy's in his freaking prime here. You know, we had Hunt for Red October not that long ago. And it's like, yes, everyone's like, this is the big follow up. And everyone's reading. Yeah. And all the dads are just so happy. Mm-hmm. It debuted <laughs> at number one. Like Paint. people were primed and ready for a new Tom Clancy, which is good because it's like over seven hundred pages. So <laughs> people, it's it's, it's the wheel of time, but for fears. dads, <laughs> it is all the fears. <laughs> he ain't kidding. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> it's just a list: snakes, spiders, uh, heart attacks, fire ants, heights. Clouds. It's all these, Jack Ryan. You're gonna go- machines <laughs> underwater. <laughs> a snake coming out of the toilet when you sit down on it. <laughs> World War One ghosts. It's all here. It's all here. A- accidentally waving at someone because you think that they're waving at you, but instead they're waving at someone behind you, <laughs> like. when the waiter says enjoy your meal and you say you too (laughs) it's being called up the chalkboard with a boner Mr. Ryan (laughs) the sum of all your fears (laughs) call your teacher mom (laughs) now we're just talking about child stuff (laughs) I really don't want to move on from that at all um really don't be, but it, no, it's it is very therapeutic we just start listing fears truly yeah. truly mm-hmm. we really worked through some stuff just yeah. now <laughs> it, it is fun to talk about uh, a release for a video game um sim city but for the super nintendo sim city i think might, might be one of the first games my father buys me as if npr talks about it he has to and that, that just might have been the first time for that but the weird thing is nintendo licenses SimCity from Maxis and basically makes their own. So it's a very, very Nintendo game. I think they made another one maybe for DS that Nintendo developed, but it is, you know, a much more Japanese game and a much more friendlier game than you remember. Diana, do you know who created SimCity? Um, um, I can, I'm it's picturing okay. the logo. Oh, well, uh, Maxis, but Will Wright. Maxis. Will Wright. Oh, he's Will one, of, he's okay. one of the first, like, famous game developers. And they made a little mascot in this game called Mr. Wright, a little short little professor with purple purple hair, purple suit and green hair. And I just think it's funny that Nintendo still owns this character, but it's supposed to be Will Wright. So he, like, pops up <laughs> as a trophy in Smash. But um, <laughs> but Will Wright doesn't have any. It's too rich a guy to sue over it. Interesting. But SimCity is out for the Super Nintendo, and it's going to be a big, 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 big hit. And then for music of 1991, August 13th to the 19th, everything I do, if I do it for you, is still number one. But we also have new releases. Brainstorm from Young MC. Now, hey, I don't know what album this is. But... This is his big follow-up. Oh, his big follow-up. Okay. So not the one with Busta Move on it. It's but... a follow-up. Bust a move if you did if we didn't re- retell that tale before is when I started noticing rap sneak into the collections of kids in my mm-hmm. age. Like before that, it was mostly like rock shit or you know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle band. But like this, this is that was Young MC was like the Trojan horse, and then it were, which would end up defining most of our record collections after that. Uh, brand new man, the debut of Brooks and Dunn. Some of the white yeah. people went down this road. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Brooks and Dunn. Uh, the self-titled debut of Cypress Hill and the self-titled debut of Mr. Bungle. Wow. Jesus Christ. A little something for everyone there. And yeah. Three I feel like it's amazing having Young MC and Cypress Hill right next to each other. It's like, yeah. this is where it's going. This is where it was. This is where it's going. Yeah. And Brooks and Dunn are going to keep it there. So let's go out with a boot scoot boogie, which is a song I, 
I was literally, I have danced to, when we talk about things our government forces us to do these days, let's remember <laughs> that I have slapped the sides of my fucking airwalks to boot, scoot, and boogie as required by the federal government. And <laughs> in the line dancing class, I was forced to take at a Florida public school, and, I, and this was the, the song we had to learn. I have a Florida Winter so Soldier-esque weird. memory of this song, like just... Forced to hear it every day for six weeks. Cannot stand it. I cannot stand it at all. This is the song that you hear on the Gravitron at every North Florida fair. In between rats round and round on constant repeat. Yeah. <laughs> Boot Scoot and Boogie. This 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 is the soundtrack to my oppressors. Let's go out with Brooks and Dunn. Um we'll be right back with two thousand one. Stare at there, people. It is summer. The sun's out in full force, which means you and your friends should be out at the pool or the beach when you do venture out. Hopefully, you're not rocking that unsightly body hair or those disgusting post-pandemic toenails. <sighs> Nothing gives a below-the-belt blow to your confidence more than looking like you're wearing a sweater made of body hair at the pool. Gross! Don't worry, my friends. Our friends at Manscaped have you covered, so you can uncover to beat the heat. They just launched their fourth-generation performance package and their Shears 2.0 Nail Grooming Kit. The Performance Package 4.0 includes the new Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer will change the way you approach your grooming routine. This fourth-generation trimmer features advanced skin-safe technology to reduce grooming nicks and cuts. You don't want any ingrown hairs or snags on your boys before beach season. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, an on-off travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on and off this trimmer is also waterproof so you can trim in the shower and not worry about any cleanup on aisle d d is in these nuts <laughs> the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up top and your nose and ears the weed whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9000 rpm motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system <sighs> This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in all the sensitive little nostrils and ears of yours. Oh, little sensitive baby. Mm-mm, little up. Uh, once you're finished mowing the lawn and trimming back those weeds, use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to keep you on your game in the heat. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. It's also flip-flop season, which means you want your feet and toes to look their best. Enter the Shears 2.0 Nail Grooming Kit. This luxury four-piece nail grooming kit features tempered stainless steel tools and includes slash tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Easy for me to say. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. Tame the summer swamp in your pants with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you.
Coming into 2001 with Fallen by Alicia Keys, and it is number one right now, August 13th to the 19th. In 2001, we are 10 years in the future from last we left you with Brooks and Dunn with uh, Fallen by Alicia Keys. Where is Alicia Keys right now? Is this her debut? This is her debut, yeah. Yeah. That's a a fairly stunning debut. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Remember, we we had it, what, like a month or two ago, and you called it Songs in a Minor? Gross. But yeah, Alicia Keys, she's number one this week. But she's not the only new release. We got Actual Size by Mr. Big. Hello, Mr. Big, the Kings of Wedding Songs. Self-titled by Jump 5. New Favorite by Alison Krauss. The Spirit Room by Michelle Branch. Supernova, the only solo album by Lisa Left Eye Lopez, RIP. Now by Maxwell. Self-titled by Beautiful Creatures. And uh, Too Bad You're Beautiful by From Autumn to Ashes. That is out this week. Yeah, well, the single from... Michelle Branch's uh, spirit room is also huge too. Yeah, we thought about that. I was gonna. Oh God, well, that song. I was I gonna say all I wanted by Michelle Branch. We can go out with that, but you're right. That's all, that was, was also. Yeah, all you wanted was big, but yeah, everywhere was was everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> and definitely one of the songs now. So the movies that we've been watching recently for 2001, also that song is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> big soundtrack song at this time yeah it's just got that right vibe for you know a romantic comedy or whatever or moving to the big city or journeys of self-discovery yeah i really like it and uh i think we may have just a little bit of news and this is barely news but it should count we we talked about briefly how much i like jackass and its debut Mm -hmm. and this is like right around where johnny knoxville is threatening or about to leave the show (laughs) The nope. show, the show was so short lived compared to how long the movie series has been around, which is sure. almost twenty years. Honestly, Jackets. that makes sense. They should just be movies that they do every like two years. Yeah, a TV doing show a TV is show unsustainable. So much. Yeah, especially when you if you're taking that kind of damage, you, you should be charging people to get in the door. Yeah. You're, yes. You're like you're like what people want to see, like when they go see like Cirque du Soleil. What their darkest part of them wants to see when they go see a circus. Wow, that's true, actually. That's such a good way to put that. I want to see you fall in NASCAR crash. NASCAR crash. uh, All over the place. NASCAR crash. NASCAR crash. Swear to God I'm not drunk. And then uh, let's move into the movies of 2001 because look what you kids did. American Pie. It's still number one at the box office. Shame. Shame. Hey, look, I saw it in the theaters. If I didn't say that before, I'll be crass about it now. Uh, The American Pie movies made people horny. So, like... (laughs) I took a lot of, I took an ex-girlfriend. Yeah, it, yeah. The movies are all about sex. So like, yeah, uh, I know. And but what? Are they making women horny? I always got incredibly lucky. Like not cruel intentions lucky, mm-hmm. but um, but I mean, yeah. I don't think I've heard it talk about this. This one now. is not very friendly to the ladies. So like, um, God, no. not as friendly. I feel like it's not horned up, just like nonchalant. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sex isn't a big deal. You're right. There yeah, you let's go. go have some. There you go. Why yeah, are we doing? Yeah. Why aren't we doing this right now? Having Jerry and Elaine conversations, like in the car on the way home. <laughs> yeah. It'd be dumb if we didn't. And- <laughs> yeah, cruel intentions is kind of the opposite spectrum of horny, where it's like we shouldn't, but we could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely you see a lot of straight males doing. <laughs> oh no, I'm snagglepuss now. <laughs> Okay, wow. Moving, maybe this is a sexy comedy too. Adam Goldberg, Dan Bukatinsky. 
uh, and Sasha Alexander and all over the guy. Yeah, come on, say it, say uh, it. What you're gonna make a you're gonna make a dirty joke. About I'm not. That. I'm not. I was thinking usually how it ends up, uh, <laughs> but mean, it does if it's a gay rom com. There you go. Hey, and that's what this is. It's is a that gay really what it's a reference it. to? Wonderful. Um, also out this week, uh, Allie Lauder, Scott Con, and Colin Farrell in American Outlaws. Oh, this fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) Young Guns wannabe? It is exactly. It's Young Guns, but it's about the James Younger gang instead of about Billy the Kid, where they play like the same two Moby songs over and (laughs) over. So, you know, it's not your daddy's Western. It is so. Yes. 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 Gonna find my baby. Yep. A thousand times. It is so dumb and bad we have better colin farrell coming up oh uh, do we <laughs> and this is just I, I didn't think it could be like more embarrassing than young guns which is at least like fun but this yeah. is so 2001 we don't realize mtv is ending kind of thing i mean it's got ali larder so there you go it's it's really dumb it's really really <laughs> dumb it's just so dumb it's just the worst baby western for babies well, it's embarrassing dumb varying degrees of dumb kind of defines the box office this week like through yeah. and through I think, actually you know what you're right all of 2001 is really stupid <laughs> <laughs> perhaps yeah. the most charming dumb thing is yes. marley the shelton Susie kurtz and i think the first movie i ever saw started starring jake gyllenhaal Bubble Boy. Well, because you missed out on October Sky. I did. I which is mm-hmm. a wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal kind of breaks out this year yep. between this and a, sure another does. movie. And we and, just talked about Lovely and Amazing. Yeah, the, and he's in Lovely and Amazing, and we got uh, we we got a Darko coming. Yep. But the proudly stupid Bubble Boy. That's twenty years old this week. Bubble Boy's first time out in the world. Uh oh. Oh. This is awesome. Day three. How did you get to Niagara Falls by tomorrow? 500 schmackers. Where am I going to get $500? You want $500? They want $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500? $500
And I am oh. probably the only person in the world who actually likes the movie North. So, oh, you um, are. Yeah, you I are. know. <laughs> I also have not revisited North since I was a child and it came I, out. So that's probably I, I, explains I, I, a lot. Um, but yeah, I kind of loved it. And I mean, I love Susie Kurtz and she is yeah. Kurtzen all over the place. She's so good in a role where she can like have fun like this. I really like it. So so the plot here is that he is a boy in a plastic bubble. So he's he's got to live in a sterilized dome because he's allergic to everything. And mm. then he leaves home for something. He goes on a road trip. Is that it? Yeah. I oh, really yeah. So he, uh, he has a neighbor who kind of grows up with him, you know, while he's in the bubble, she comes and like visits him and like they have a friendship. And of course he ends up falling in love with her and she decides she's going to marry someone else. And so he wants to go and stop the wedding. So he kind of stays in his bubble, but breaks out of his house and is like going on a cross country road trip in his bubble and gets picked up by like, not just like various people, but like, very strange groups of people like a cult and then a group of people who you know are all part of like what would be probably described as a freak show like it as part of like a traveling carnival and then Danny Trejo which is so <laughs> much fun when he I, when he showed up I yelled Danny Trejo um, <laughs> they go to Vegas and it's I really quite enjoyed this movie I thought it was real sweet yeah it's okay. it's, it's one of those um <laughs> uh, seeing someone travel America is not cynical. I'm, I'm describing this trope as like the American immigrant in America. Just the American who's like blast from the past, like the America, American who's never seen America, but d- comes out doe-eyed like, wow, I'm so excited to be here. Fuel um, housering all over the place. Yes. <laughs> and, but it makes him a, a fun character to watch. And I think like mm-hmm. it holds, it's held up over the years because the character is really fun. Mm-hmm. There's nothing cynical about the character at all. Exactly. The lack of cynicism is real sweet, especially mm. for 2001, which we are really heading into peak. <laughs> yeah, American Pie 2 is number one. That's what mean I'm saying. Mean guy cynicism, yes. yeah, that I don't mm. like. So. And then a movie I wouldn't see if you paid me dozens of dollars. <laughs> oh, well, you are missing out. Am I? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. No, you're missing out on... Such a vast array of accents, though. Oh, my God. You are not wrong. <laughs> yeah. There's two reasons to watch this movie. One is the, is the vast array of accents. And the other one is gorgeous cinematography Beautiful. by an absolute genius, John Toll. Besides that, I got nothing nice to say. <laughs> John Hurt, Christian Bale, Penelope Cruz, and Nicolas Cage in Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Better than being at two o'clock. He was a man for the moment. <laughs> Without a care for the future. Heil Hitler. Heil Puccini. <laughs> Until she walked into his life. You think you can come here and turn my whole world upside down? And gave him something worth fighting for. This is so Nicholas cool. Cage, Penelope Cruz, Captain Corelli's mandolin. <laughs> there's a... There's... There's Can we a... have to give some applause to the American president music there? It really, really gives it some heft. Oh, and I just the the shot of Nicolas Cage in a wife beater on a beach air composing music. I want as my living Facebook avatar. That looks so ridiculous. Gotta... Go see Pig, everyone. If you if you like Adam Arkin, Sarah. I uh, do. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually I was about 15 minutes away from finishing this movie before we sat down to record and it's long, first mm. of all. <laughs> Way longer than it needs to be. Yeah. Way too much time setting up what is happening here. I didn't hate it. I mean, like the accents are wild and it's mm. kind of fun and everyone and everything is beautiful, which is great. Yep. And there's some beautiful singing, like group singing that I find to be really, was really sweet and charming and, and nice. And I didn't hate it. I like Ernest Nicholas Cage for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a type of I movie I had not previously seen him in, <laughs> honestly. He's doing his best. Is, is this movie set in the present? No, no, it's no. World War Two. No, I, but I thought it was like I was go like looking for the mandolin. I, I could be confusing it with something else. No, mm-hmm. you're thinking of like the red violin. Yes, I am. That. Yes, uh, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is. Oh, he has a mandolin that he plays. He's like very into music, and so what? there's like a lot of like composing and singing along and dancing, and it's very like. Oh, life is beautiful, but also there's a war going on, guys. Don't forget. Mm. Also, and- you're in the Italian army, which mm. is one of the Axis powers. And, yeah. And then they surrender, and the Germans were not happy about that. Yeah. And this is based on a real thing, and they fucking massacred their former allies. That was like, Yay. I did not know about that aspect of the situation, and yeah. that scene is quite upsetting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's piles of dead bodies. I did not like, I mean, it's historic, you know. Yeah. But I I did not know about all that. Yeah, and it's kind of jarring when you're spending so much of this movie about, like, Zorba the Greeking around in Greece of just, you know, Mm. oh, we Mm. love life and music is so wonderful. And my accent is all over the place. I sound like a Borat. (laughs) And And a little Dracula. (laughs) Yeah. And just, uh, yeah, the accents were making me crazy because, like, some of like the the soldiers are Italian and they're stationed in Greece, and so they're supposed to be speaking different languages. But they all have accents that are really similar uh-huh. because all the Greeks are kind of sound like Penelope Cruz, who's uh-huh. Spanish, uh-huh. but they're just kind of going with it. It's kinda... really hard to tell who's Greek and who's Italian. Right. Like I had a really hard time keeping track of who was uh, on what side. So do yeah, pe- so I, do people I, who look at me. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't understand why they didn't do like the usual thing of like one side has like either British accents or American accents, something generic ish. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something how, that Nicolas Cage can do. Just <laughs> let him be, just let him have an American accent and our, our brains, the Babel fish in our ear will tell us that equals mm-hmm. Italian. Mm-hmm. It works in every other genre and for mm-hmm. some goddamn reason. So, and these people are supposed to be speaking different languages. They're both just speaking accented English at each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand what he meant. What, what did that guy say? And it's like, <laughs> he was speaking English. <laughs> it's just, it's a bad choice. It's just a really, really dumb, dumb choice. True. But it's really pretty. Because it it's Greece and it's a fantastic cinematographer and it's directed by John Madden who did Shakespeare in Love and Best Marigold Hotel. So and one of the best-selling football games. Um, yeah, it yeah. really, really is. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's a uh, weird. It's super. It's a super weird movie for sure. And yeah. it is, like I said, far too long. Yeah, <laughs> and it's only two hours. Yeah, but it feels, <laughs> feels like long. for sure. I mean, I had it on while I was doing research for the show but the romance parts are pretty darn romantic i have to say yeah it's and i said it's really pretty Mm -hmm. so yeah if you just want to like have it on while you're 
I don't know, mute it and listen to music or something. I don't know. But Ooh. no, then you'd miss out on all the accents and singing. Oh, the singing is nice. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I don't know. I maybe I'm ovulating. I'm in a mood, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I love love. What can you say? Yeah, it's just like it's trying to. Yeah, I don't know what it's trying to be. Zorba the Greek, maybe, or English patient, but more romantic. I don't know. Yes, yeah, I could see that. Uh, no. Ooh, and uh, ooh, speaking of overly long, um, mm. <laughs> the next movie, uh, but it's got a huge cast: Kathy to Jimmy, that's a Peggy Hill, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. John Lovitz, Amy Smart, Whoopi Goldberg, Breckenmeyer, Seth Green, Cuba Gooding Jr., Rowan Atkinson, and John Cleese. In it's a mat. No, I mean rat race. It's rat race. Rat race. Two million dollars is hidden somewhere in America, and eleven lucky people will stop at nothing to win it all. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. Go. To survive, they'll have to use their heads, <laughs> follow directions, right. and outsmart the competition. <laughs> rat race. Ah, <laughs> uh, rat race. A movie. Again, that's difficult to hate. It, it's I know it's not good. Yeah, I, I so I'd never seen it before, mm. and I watched it, and it's like Dang. it takes it takes too long to get going. It really does. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't establish half of its characters like mm-hmm. at all. Like yeah. I can't tell you what Whoopi Goldberg's character is. Mm-hmm. Um, the long lost daughter, self made millionaire. But <laughs> that never. They never do anything <laughs> with it. But then once it finally gets moving, then, yeah, that, I, there were some serious laughs in there, I have yeah. to admit. Yeah. There were some really, really funny bits. Yes. And some that just don't fucking work. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't... I don't know why I was kind of assuming there would be more gross-out humor. Uh-huh. I think yeah. it's just because uh-huh. it's 2001, and that's just what we've been dealing I with. I think because they promoted... My, one of my favorite gags in the movie is John Lovitz's daughter yelling as he forces her to take a shit from a moving va- minivan because he wants, wants to win yeah. the money. Uh, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a hysterical moment. You just close up on her face like, I hate you! I hate you so much! That, yeah. It, it, that's the perfect explanation of it is that there are really funny bits. Mm-hmm. There are some good laughs. But the connective tissue is lacking, I would yeah. say. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's... it's Yeah, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Okay, it's just yes. the what it is and obviously i'm going to tell you to go watch that because that is generally funnier and stars a million different comedy legends and i feel like i feel like i hope it's on like amazon prime so you can pause it and it will tell you all the actors that are on screen it's like i feel like there needs to be like an explainer it's it's subtitles or something it's incredibly nuts if you look up it's a met i don't know who was able to get that movie made i don't know how they could make it again Stanley Kramer, who's the guy who did like serious movies like Judgment at Nuremberg and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. How do you get like Jonathan Winters and like Phil Silver's Jimmy Durante and the Three Stooges? And that's just like a very, very small portion of the cast. And it's a mad. It's like every comic actor who has existed was in has a small part in this movie. And if you were alive in this year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Rat Race (laughs) is trying to do. And, you know, they they get John Lovitz. Um, but <laughs> yeah, well, okay, I guess I, I'm fine with them, you know, getting mostly like more character actory yeah. type guys, you know, and just but the basic idea of yeah, people going crazy, you know, racing to somewhere to get money and the greed driving them nuts and them doing terrible things on the way there. It's like, well, yeah, that's always that's kind of hard to fuck up. 
Yeah, because Cannonball Run does something yeah, similar and successfully. And like, I, I, I think they should make this movie with a super high budget with anybody, the most famous people they can get every 10 years. Yes. And, and Rat Race yeah. sort of suffices, if you can remember before... Uh, everything you know now about Cuba Gooding Jr. It but. is so yeah. 2001, too. So, yeah, that's a great idea to just kind of like the Oceans movie. Like, we need a good ensemble yeah. heist movie every 10 years. We need hmm. a good, like, character, actor, comedy, run for the money movie every mm-hmm. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down yeah. for it. I know. It's just uh, it's so bonkers. Like, there's so many. There's some really good car stunts in it, too. I have yes. to give them credit for that. There was very impressive ones it's weird to see well it's weird to see seth green and breck and meyer in meyer and something together well, if and you breck look and down you think you're watching robot chicken because yeah <laughs> breck and meyer is arguably the romantic lead too yeah. right. and i'm like hey good for you kid good for you yeah Nonsense good, good for you being 18 years that? old with michael douglas's face now <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, yeah and it's weird that it's like a lot of the ads really sell this as rowan atkinson like yeah mm-hmm. And he's got a very, very small part. I mean, he kills every time he's on. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, he's amazing. He's beaning all over the place. He is super beaning. Yeah. All over the place. But like, uh, yeah, some of the connective tissue is really not there. And they keep like running into a wacky situation, running from it and ending up in a wackier situation <laughs> actually starts to get kind of repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, the heightening how, is... How many demolition derbies can one accidentally get into? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I think my favorite, though, was John Lovitz going to the Barbie Museum. <laughs> that uh, There were a lot of good laughs in there. Uh, yeah. Like, that whole line where he gets the car, and then they end up at the World War II Veterans Memorial. Like, <laughs> that veteran shoots so... it. Oh, yeah, they get in a fight with a, the lady but, uh, motorcycle gang. Yeah. Yeah, because it's... They still hit her car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that whole sequence, I, I pretty much enjoyed quite a bit. And yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend is a little younger. Like, she, like this is a fucking classic. What are you talking about? I'm like, okay. All right. Like, well, I, calm I, down. It's like, not a classic. Hey, look, if you, if you grew up <laughs> yeah. watching this, like, every other day on cable, like, I totally get it. Yeah. Because mm. it is it is pretty clean. So it's pretty much, it's pretty appropriate for little kids. Mm-hmm. So I could see people, yeah, kind of growing up with this and having a lot of, a lot of love for it. And mm. that's fine. Um, I think my favorite part was Kathy Bates. Yeah. <laughs> Ka- Kathy Bates trying to sell squirrels and then secretly <gasps> brutally murdering people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that whole running, just, it, that's one that just got, it escalated and escalated and escalated and it paid off as opposed to just, and now suddenly it's this. It's like, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever. It's uh, almost, it's almost a recommend. I, I did have some good laughs though. I admit that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm always surprised by how little I hate it because I wanted to hate it when it came out. I want to hate it every time it's on TV. And wanted to hate it for this viewing, and I didn't. I just didn't. But can't, I can't love it. I guess I liked parts of it. I guess. I, all right. You know what? Here is another nice thing. Is a movie that starts in Vegas. No Elvis. Oh. But a but bus a, full of loose balls. I was about to say a ton of loose balls, which and I that was, was good. I liked that. I liked that <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Whew. Well, uh, and then anyway, moving on to television, which we can't do because it's strikingly empty. It, I mean, we're kind. Of, Coming up on premiere season and all the shows coming back. So we'll have plenty of TV to talk about in the next couple weeks. But yeah, right now things are pretty, 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 pretty. Pretty empty. barren. All I can tell you is that uh, 
WWE Live Wire ends. Uh, oh, <laughs> WWF no. Live Wire. No, what was it? It would have been WWE by now. It ends. That's it. And I don't know anything about that fucking show. But yes, moving on to video games of 2001. <laughs> also nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, also nothing, unless you count maybe a port of Madden NFL 2002. Yeah, we go a little deeper on um, patreon.com slash laser time with the video game Apocalypse Boys. We'll find something that came out in here. I love digging up old arcade releases and stuff for dead consoles that isn't tracked as well. But that's where um, big shout out to Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Pars, because he's done out of the goodness of his heart several of the planning of the, the, the last two episodes. And it's he dug, let's say, too deep. This is, <laughs> this is too much to discuss. Uh, but yeah, the last couple episodes were he... no fun dig too deep and what release a balrog or something it's just that, like oh my god are we really going to talk about a port of a port of a game we didn't play all right if it's funny um i'm discovering new music in this flintstones game as you might hear in the break that that's there but let's close out of 2001 altogether because of how barren again that's like six movies uh, at the top and then not a lot of tv and games elsewhere but um we're gonna close out with everywhere to me it's ev- just everywhere right by michelle branch Mm-hmm. I have never heard her name in my life. I heard this song until I was sick to my stomach <laughs> working at various establishments. This song has been played in like every place I've ever had my hair cut. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everywhere by Michelle Branch. And now it's here. The song was the song was serious. It will be it will find its way everywhere, including this break, but stay right there cuz 2011 gets pretty fun too. Cuz you're Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 302010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two. Over at patreon.com slash lasertime, we've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 3020 and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. And then my absolute favorite thing I'd never heard of until Michael put it in this doc. The Flintstones colon Burger Time and Bedrock. I wanted to find more trademark screens, but this is very much the arcade classic Burger Time. Yep. Done with me, your pal Fred. And he beats up, he beats up like the Great Gazoo as if he's an enemy. But it is like a, a much slower Burger Time with a story. You know what they don't have? What they didn't shell out for? The Flintstones theme. But the Flintstones theme they came up with for Flintstones Burger Time in Bedrock is one of the most sublime and melancholy things I've ever heard. It's there, yeah, this dude. is a this is sadder. Like <laughs> like if Wilma leaves Fred, this is what this is what he's driving through with him in the middle of the movie. He's driving through the, the rain. Flintstones meet the Flintstones. <laughs> that is like. Am I really not attentive enough for Wilma? I'm too old to move on. <laughs> 
So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Laser Time shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yay! Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of August 13th through 19th, well, let's just get this out of the way. Obviously, I talked about it's Man, 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 Man World from 1963. So I got to throw in here. If you haven't seen it's a Man, 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 Man World, even if you don't know who all of these comedy legends are, it's still like really, really funny. The scene of Jonathan Winters tearing apart a gas station with his bare hands is one of the my favorite scenes just of all time i just everything about it freaking kills me so yeah uh, i believe that's available to rent it's streaming somewhere it's also the first movie i ever saw that came on two vhs's because it's pretty long it's like three hours so yeah it's mad 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 world that's four mads anyway then the rest of classic corner turning 40 years old this week Boy, do these not go together. I guess they're both about travel and adventure, and there are deserts involved, I guess. But 40 years ago this week in 1981, saw the release of possibly the greatest Australian film ever made, Gallipoli. Uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go for it. And it's, it's hit a bunch of lists of greatest Australian films ever made. And there probably are better films made in and by Australians. But this is like quintessentially Australian content also. Directed by Peter Weir, who... I think I've said many, many times, I has like the best track record in the world. Every six months or so, all of a sudden, film Twitter lights up with, why don't we have more Master and Commander movies? And I'm like, thank you! But Gallipoli from 1981, it stars tiny, tiny baby Mel Gibson, back when he was still Australian, coming off of Mad Max, and Mark Lee, and they're like two guys in Western Australia just shooting the shit and hanging out, and they're like bumming rides on trains or whatever, and they decide, hey, let's join the army and go fight in World War One. It doesn't go well because it's World War One, and the Gallipoli campaign is a notorious failure for the British forces, and they spent the Anzac forces horribly, and there's a lot of can-do trying as you charge at machine guns with bayonets, and uh, yeah, there's just a major breakdown and failure of strategy and leadership and everything, and it's just because it's not just about the battle compared to something like 1917. It has like a lot more epic feel. Like you really get to know these guys and just hurts so much more, unfortunately, when they actually get to the war and you're like, oh, this is going to go bad. But absolutely wonderful film. I know it's got Mel Gibson in it. It's before the unpleasantness. But come on, it's not even two hours. It looks gorgeous. They mostly shot in Australia, even when they're supposed to be in Turkey. And it looks fantastic. And uh, yeah, one of the maybe five best World War One movies, besides being possibly the best Australian movie ever made. So Gallipoli, 1981. And that's it for this week. Stay classic.
Wow, coming into 2011, doesn't get more 2011 than Gautier, somebody that I used to know. Gautier, off of the album wow. Making Mirrors. Why am I annoyed by this song? I can't place it. Was it the Endless Covers? Like, the internet mm. just started in a pre-TikTok world. Like, every other day, somebody was doing an even more stripped-down cover of somebody that I used to know. I think also the music video is very parodyable. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I saw a lot yeah. of that as well. So this, it didn't take off as much until 2012, mm. but this is when the album comes out, and it never makes it to number one, so I gotta slip it in here now, because nice. yeah, right. I just like this song. I do too. I am glad you caught that. New releases this week, uh, August 13th uh, through the 19th of 2011, also include uh, Any Man in America by Blue October. Huh. I was dating a girl, and she's like, what's your favorite band? I'm like, um, I'm old. What's your favorite <laughs> band? And she's like, Blue October. And I was like, never heard of them. And then if you do, never do this, I've never heard of your favorite band. And then look at their like Wikipedia and like, Jesus Christ. This is how this many songs and albums from somebody I'd never heard of been this popular, and it just never reaches my ears. It, yeah, it's no, pretty I, incredible. I know about Blue October. I listen to actually quite a bit of Blue October, and I like it. But it seems like a band nobody's heard of. Almost yes. like a band. I, for a long time, I was like, am I the only person who knows about Blue October? I mean, where would you even weird. know about them? Would you just get a burnt CD given to you in fucking Sarah's dorm room? I truly don't even know. <laughs> It's also how I feel about Atmosphere, the rapper. Mm. Does anyone else know about Atmosphere or did I dream that? Only from Zelda remixes, yeah. (laughs) Not kidding. (laughs) Ocarina of Rhyme, it's real. Um, And uh, Slave Ambience by The War on Drugs, which, oddly enough, is the most recent band I have purchased a record uh, for my dad for. I I went to our buddy's record Hmm. shop. Um, yeah, Retrofit Records, fucking great uh, record shop. Uh, shout out to Sherrod if he's listening. He's not. Um, <laughs> just saw him. Uh, I, was, I was like, I want to get my dad some new Springsteen. He's like, we don't have any new, but if you want new Springsteen, you should listen to The War on Drugs. And he was not oh. wrong. It is Ooh. a modern, okay. modern take of Springsteen. My dad now loves The War on Drugs. <laughs> it's very strange. And of course, Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO is still number one. Um, at the music box office. Why did I say that? I could have just said nothing. <laughs> My brain's on autopilot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I just, I got to the uh, um, news item, which is just something super personally important to me. Uh, the West Memphis Three are released after 18 years uh, in prison and four phenomenal oh. documentaries later. Oh my gosh, yes. Just one of the, like, uh, bare injustice brought before the whole world's eyes and we couldn't get it across to Arkansas. <laughs> and I know injustice like this happens all the time, but I think this was the Metallica angle was pretty special. The the idea that like these kids yeah. were kind of uh these three children these three children were kind of framed for the murder of three other children because they were in the metal. And yeah, it was yeah, the height of satanic panic. Yeah. And yeah. and Metallica uh, I mean, had never them, agreed to them and the McMartin them yeah. and the McMartin preschool family, I feel like are yeah. the worst victims of satanic panic. Yeah. This yeah. idea that there is organized ritual satanic sacrifice, uh, and they're they're coming for your babies. And, um, it's just like no, they're like dirtbag teenagers. Yeah, and they're really kind of stupid. Uh, one of them is like measurably stupid. And, uh, yeah, and, one of them is special needs. Yeah, um, and they got him to flip on the others because yeah. he told them what they wanted to hear, so he could go home. And if you, so that's how false confessions if you, work. If you didn't follow the, the Paradise Lost trilogy, and I forget the name of the Peter Jackson doc that... Um, I think it's West of Memphis. West of Memphis. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. 
Damien Eccles, you know, he had a kid right before he was <laughs> sent to jail for, and you get to see the kid like it's just an adult. And by the time he's out, and and it, it the whole world for over it for almost two decades had full knowledge. There's these kids could not have done this, mm-hmm. and you made a mistake, Arkansas. And even the way they let them out is terrible. Yeah, it, well, it's it's like yeah. they're still technically guilty, like on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I'd never heard of it before this case, but like they had to like you waive your right to sue us for keeping you in jail for twenty years. We'll let you out right now, no questions asked. And they right. took it. And yeah, it, they had to take an Alfred plea, which is like, well, it looks like you proved your case, but I'm not gonna say anything about it. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the and deal. You, it's you, like, you well, should. You can't, you can't sue us for wrongful conviction. You mm-hmm. should. You should. They should be suing the shit of these people forever. Like they were treated horrible in prison. Multiple like. Damien claims the guards like set up rapes for him and shit. It, it like, Boy. yeah, sorry. This, but yeah, as a little kid becoming aware of injustice, that's me seeing Paradise Lost for the first time when I'm 14 years old. I don't know why my dad made me watch it because it, I watched it now. I'm like, this is a pretty intense doc, like very intense, intense yeah, and like, I but think... not not glossy documentary. It's just like no. it's everything, no. it, all the boring details. And um, I think he's teaching you the most important lesson, which the only thing you say after you have been arrested is lawyer yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never talk to the cops after you've been arrested. Probably don't talk to the cops before you've been arrested, but definitely <laughs> if you have been arrested, you should only be asking for a lawyer. And they'll be like, well, I mean, we can't work this out between ourselves. That makes everything complicated. And you say, good, complicated is good. Give me my lawyer. I didn't need that last time. I was just pulled over last week. Um, going yeah. 75 and a 35 on the way back what? from the beach. Oh, come on. Why? It was, you know how, what it's like traveling through these small Florida towns. It is, it is 70. And then like, if there's a town approaching, it'll be like, slow down to 35. But I was yeah. like, I was Real on the fast. phone in the process of slowing down, but there wasn't a town yet. It was just all grass. And the guy's like, ah, oh, you know, speeding this much. That's like kind of a felony. And then my little dog comes up to the window and makes the cutest face and he's like, but I understand. <laughs> and then like, biscuit, you got me out of a ticket. Oh, what a good boy. Remind me to pay $100 to the Bluntstown Sheriff's Office. <laughs> um, when the show's over, moving on to movies of 2011, August 13th to the 19th, The Help. Hey, I'm sorry, Bluntstown? Yeah. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> nope. Unfortunately, no. no. <laughs> Bluntstown. It is not as awesome as it sounds. I, I hope you like no grocery stores and <laughs> mostly Dollar Generals. And uh, help, help is number one at the box office in 2011, at, just as we said it should be. The Help is a flawless movie with no flaws um, to poke holes. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Don't listen to last week's episode. Uh, five, day, five Days of War is also a movie out with, look at this cast, Heather Graham, some names I can't pronounce, but Dean Cain? <laughs> what? Yeah, who... If, we, if was Dean, in Rat Race also. He got beat up he by was. a helicopter. If so, Dean Kane, yeah, Dean Cain's going for two for three. If Dean Cain's in a movie in 2011, are you sure you saw it in theaters? That, I don't <laughs> even think this went to theaters Andy in Garcia, the Andy Garcia, Val Kilmer, um, Rupert Friend, a bunch of other people. Five Days of War. Is yeah. Five Days of War. Uh, yeah, it's about the Georgian uprising in South Ossetia, mm-hmm. which... I'm sure you all remember really well. Uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, again, we have kind of a movie that's sort of nationalist propaganda. And the reviews were not great on this one compared to, you know, Once Upon a Time in China. But yeah, it's about, you know, the Russian army is coming in and they're being dicks to us. And we just want peace and freedom because we're great. We're Georgia, but not that Georgia, the country Georgia. <laughs> yeah. All the reviews were like, it's fine. Whatever. And eh, yeah. who cared? 
kind of black and white, no shades of gray. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And also out yeah. this week, Jesus, Georgia, who, all these people, uh, Jody Whitaker, Patricia Carson, Ken Schott, uh, Rafe Spall, Romala Grafe, Jim Sturgis, Ooh. Anne Hathaway in one day. Yeah. This, if this is not the movie with Michelle Pfeiffer and George Clooney, I'm not listening. No. I'm disappointed, no. but it is not. This is a very romantic movie. Aww. It's did, what we would call a weepy, I think. Did Gary Marshall run out of mm. holidays? Fuck <laughs> Valentine's Day. Fuck Christmas Day. It's Earth just one day. day. One Arbor day. day. <laughs> yeah, this is a book. I actually read the book several years ago. As books go, it's a pretty interesting concept. Basically, it's it's a relationship between two people that start right when they graduate from university and then each chapter is the same day just the next year and it kind of checks in with them like where they are in their lives and you know their friends like the show friends Hmm. sort of like the show oh yeah 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 exactly and so then they turned it into a movie which i watched and it's fine it's a weepy you know it's a melodrama yeah yeah it's fine yeah it's it's a cute idea it's kind of it makes me think of same time next year in Mm. that you know it's yeah, ch- checking in with these people, you know, letting time pass, and then the next scene, time has passed, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, and now he's got this girlfriend, and now this is happening, and uh, I admit I never got around to watching it. Every review made fun of Anne Hathaway's accent so much that we have developed we have developed a theme for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not kind of shaky. Acts like she's supposed to be from Yorkshire, and it's like sometimes she sounds from she's from New Jersey, and sometimes she sounds Scottish, and I'm like, oh. I like double check the British papers. Be like, is this all they're talking about? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Can't all be winners. Perhaps my most surprising recommend of the week. Like, I I this this movie's fantastic. Oh yes, this next movie. Wow. Sandra Vergara, Dave Franco, Lisa Loeb, uh, Imogene. Is it Poots? Am I am I allowed to? It's Poots. It's definitely Poots. I like. I'm not miss Tony Collette, Christopher Mintz Plus. Uh, David Tennant, Colin Farrell, and Anton Yelchin. The remake, Fright Night. And I, also with a cameo by... Chris Sarandon? Yes. Yeah, who was the yeah. original character, Jerry, the character Colin Farrell was right. uh, in, yeah. in the movie. I, I know I saw the original Fright Night, oddly enough, directed by Tom Holland before he's born. Just kidding, there are two of them. Don't get confused. <laughs> but But this... Yeah, I remember reading like this is actually pretty good as far as these horror remakes, this horror remake mill goes. And it is. It is I'm not sure other than like in Bruges, if I have is there a superior Colin Farrell performance out there? He fucking rules in yeah. this movie. Huh. He's great. And and you guys all watched it too? Like I just yeah. yeah I, mm-hmm. I I thought, yeah, it thoroughly surprised me. Um I want to watch it again. Yeah. Uh but basically like what one of those tales of you know, kids 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 see a monster and the adults don't. But this time, yep. it's his next door neighbor, um, Anton Yelchin's neighbor, is believed to be a vampire. This ultra menacing Colin Farrell, who's basically setting up a serial killer's fucking playground in the house next door, <laughs> uh, because he yes, he is a vampire, but he he's pretty hot. Hits on his mother, who's Tony Collette, who is. I don't think ever been hotter for fuck's sake. Uh, that's an age appropriate <laughs> crush for me, is it not? Tony Collette, I can do that. Yeah. Um, but in, in Anton Yelch, God damn, man, that makes me so sad. Oh, I know. I know. Um, just didn't didn't die of a disease or drugs by a bad parking brake pinned pinned up against his fucking mailbox. Uh, and, but showing suit like huge promise as a younger leading man. I'm not sure what he would have looked like in adulthood because he. he Already kind of looked like somebody with cancer, but uh, <laughs> what he did—he's like super skinny and frail. Yeah, um, which, that's true. He 
Which okay. makes the fight at the end of the movie like super fucking awesome. The effects are great. The tension yeah. is great. The dialogue yeah. is fun. Um, every character is fun to be around. Like, what the fuck? Like, why do I, how come I don't hear more people talking about this movie? Yeah, the funny parts are funny, which is great. That usually does not happen for movies like this. And the the conceit of David Tennant's character, he yeah. kind of plays this like David Blaine type. <laughs> is really good and makes sense. Like the movie makes sense, you know, from like start to finish. Like can't really poke that many holes in it, which I I appreciate in a movie like this. Yeah. It's scary when it's supposed to be scary. I don't know. I yeah. love the shit out mm-hmm. of this movie. I really this is my recommend for show. Yeah, of the of the week. Yeah. I was this super was a shocked. Big, yeah, this was a big surprise for me too. The, it's like it's got some Lost Boys vibes, but it's mm-hmm. also there's like a windowy sort of thing with the worrying about the neighbor and it's like why isn't anyone else noticing this <laughs> yeah it just yeah I, I was pleasantly surprised but then looking saying oh it's directed by craig gillespie who did uh two other movies i really like and one i did not Lars and the real girl and i tanya i thought were great and cruella doesn't need to exist <laughs> and written by marty noxon who wrote a bunch of buffy huh. oh yeah buffy mm-hmm. and uh Mad Men. Yeah. When, yeah, yeah. One of the things I liked about this movie is that it's very tight. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. it just gets right to it, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Not a huge um, cast and not not even like a whole lot of murder, but like, yeah. Just a lot of great action and horror stuff. And gore. Yeah. Good gore. Good gore. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. fun. Very fun. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I went, to, I, I took Sarah's advice just today and like walked into a Michael's to like just start. T- putting my toe in the Halloween season vibe, yeah. um, and this is a, a because of this film. I did not expect it to rule this much, but um, if yeah, if, like Sarah said, if you're looking for a super tight horror thriller comedy, you yeah. can you can do no worse than the Fright Night remake. It's it's fucking excellent. Really reminds me, yeah. gives me vibes of Freaky, which I absolutely loved. Yeah. <laughs> um, Happy Death Day, Ready or Not. That's all the oh. same vein. I feel like, and I loved all mm. of those movies. And also, and ready, ready or not, did not get the respect it deserves. Oh, agreed. Everyone was like, "Knives out, knives out," which knives out was great, but ready or not needed some love as well. Dude, that's a double feature for the gods. <laughs> they go together. It. They go together really well. But yeah, ready or not, deserves some of that knives out love. Hell yeah! And also, just to tie uh, '91 and 2011 together, did you know that Ethan Hawke directed Lisa Loeb's music video for "Stay"? Yeah. No, it, it, huh. uh, am I the only person who didn't know that? It was on the Reality Bite soundtrack. Um, that's, wow. Uh, ah. Are you sure it wasn't Ben Stiller? I'm pretty sure it's Ethan Hawke. Okay, I, I mean, they, he wrote Reality Bites, but it, huh. um, and yeah, he directed it too. Um, but ben yeah. Stiller did. No, Ben Stiller didn't write it. Yeah, he did. Did he direct it? No, he didn't. He directed it. Okay, my bad. Yes, but yeah, Lisa Lowe popping up is just just I wonder, was so, wonderful. I was, again, I was like Lisa Lowe. And. Like wait, how wait, I did for Danny Trejo. Was she married to Captain Obvious in this movie? <laughs> was she what? Was she married to Captain Obvious in this movie? Is that <laughs> no? <laughs> Can't tie everything yes. together. I'm trying. Um, well, it, it's is it the guy that we think is Captain Obvious? Yeah. Yes, Brian, Brian Husky. Sta- right, Brian Husky. I always Husky. get him confused with Brian Stack. Is that nah. the the guy who hosts We've Unsolved really... Mysteries or the Conan guy? <laughs> the Conan guy. We've really Babidi Boo. We made a huge tinkled web of references here. <laughs> and I heard tinkled web and I liked I liked the way you said that. <laughs> but that's okay because we're in the section of media eating its own ass. The the, the fi- finale mm-hmm. of the movies of this week are all remake all are all on original ideas, are all remakes and sequels. Yep. And and yeah, reboot. I would say that these two are both reboots. R- perhaps. And 
Well, I'm yeah, one is an attempt at a reboot. One is a sequel that's also kind of a reboot. Yeah. And neither one of them have the charm of what they're coming after. I, I did not, not even close. I did not see this movie, but I got, I was getting prepared to, cause I just watched the original for the first time, like uh, a month ago. Cause I had not seen it. And I love people <laughs> a little older than me talking about the original John Milius Conan, the barbarian, which is truly, yeah. it's not only like inimitable and like quintessential to its time, which is like, what is it? Like 79 or 82. It is pulpy and rated R in a post star Wars world, uh, with an, insane effects and violence and sex and nudity. You can't make that movie anymore. Like you just can't. And the fact that they tried with Rose McGowan, Stephen Lang, Rachel Nichols, Jason Momoa, and in 2011's Conan the Barbarian. You will kneel before me. When evil reigns, no man shall live in chains. One warrior will stand. I will follow you to hell. And an empire. I do not want your kingdom. No? Then what? Will fall. I want your head. Conan the Barbarian. I remember the the casting being exciting because there was no bigger pop culture powerhouse than Game of Thrones. And Cal Drogo, you know, eats it pretty fucking early <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. compared to how long that series would stay on the air. And ever like, finally, we get to see Jason Momoa again with his shirt off a lot. I know they're always trying to make Conan, but I think that was the piece that fell into place. <laughs> a man yeah, we want to see with his shirt off. so long. But... I watched all kinds I, of people have gone through, mm-hmm. you know, the, this mill of of trying to restart Conan, or you know, trying to do Red Sonia, or trying to do something else, and it's like <sighs> they, they couldn't even it's make really a second a second Arnold Conan properly because, like, well, there's the Destroyer, yeah, but it's not it's like not very well regarded. It's made it's by not as good. It's, it's made by different people. I it's a it is a Republican 1970s comic fantasy, and the only version I want to see is with John Cena, directed by Vince McMahon. That's that, <laughs> the, that's the only way to get a good Conan movie. Uh, but this one, not great reviews. Let's also yeah. remember, like, this, I don't think he's public domain yet, Conan the Barbarian. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, because it's very specifically based on older comics, uh, which if not for sayings like Bicrom, I wouldn't know at all. But, like, this... My generation has no love for Conan. Uh, that Conan, Conan. It, apparently, they're both pronounced the same. I heard Conan O'Brien say it. Yeah. <laughs> Conan, yeah. not Conan. Yeah, um, I mean, mostly like I kind of have to like I'll give them a little bit of credit for trying, but yeah. they do end up. It does end up being really boring for big stretches of it. Uh, some of the ultra violence is ultra violent, and I. I I, I guess I'll give him credit for that because they could have just made this PG thirteen. There's one point where he just he just like throws a guy against a wall and the dude just explodes like a water balloon <laughs> filled with grape jelly. <laughs> it's like oh, okay. And Rose McGowan is just picking up and stealing every scene she's in. She's like evil sorceress lady, yeah. and she had been like they tried to actually I think it was Robert Rodriguez tried to get a red Sony going with her for a while. So mm. it's like I appreciate she got something. We'll talk about Rodriguez in a second. So it's like she appreciates that she's in camp. And Stephen Lang as a big bad kind of appreciates it. And everyone else seems to think this is really serious. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it just it was just boring. I just it just felt really generic and boring. There was nothing that said like this is different then, than any other, you know, I will... Conan knockoff that we had all through the 80s, usually from Italy. 
I will never be able to use this criticism in any other movie, and nor do I even have it mostly. But mm-hmm. Arnold's body, <laughs> the body <laughs> of the actor, like Arnold's body in the early '80s, was inhuman. Watching mm-hmm, yeah. this character look like look like a comic book character come to life. Jason Momoa just looks like a jack dude. He like he's uh, very jack. I I, I see jack. guys like this at the fucking community pool. But Ar- like when you watch that movie with Arnold, like he looks inhuman. It looks crazy. He was. N- I don't think he's ever been that big. Mm. It's it's fascinating to watch that movie partially because like how does this man move? How does he get veins coming <laughs> out of this parts of his bo- these parts of his body? Where you know. Nice abs, Jason Momoa, but like it, <laughs> Arnold is ridiculously swole in a way that I don't think we'd allow a, <laughs> a fucking famous actor to be anymore, if with the exception of The Rock. But, I was gonna say, I mean, he, he's still crazy. he's still bigger than The Rock. Arnold's body is his instrument. Mm. It, it it doesn't look real. The Rock mm. looks like a real person. Arnold does not look real in the, the Conan movie. It is like it is transfixing in in a way that's like not pleasant. So nobody, no, <laughs> but Arnold Arnold looks insane in that movie. And again, he became an old you know he got older with every successive movie. Kept his shirt on even more. So, but anyway, that and also there's tons of stuff in the original Conan movie you would get arrested for putting on screen, implied rapes and all that <laughs> shit. Like like I just don't see why. I got in the games industry like 15 years ago and there's all these fucking Conan games. And I'm just turning around and like all my friends like, do we give a shit about this? Who is this for? And it's for people who are, you know, hungry for genre stuff before Star Wars, a little older than me. Um, love Conan. I, I don't know anything. I wish I knew more. But moving on to the, the next movie of the week. Oh, boy. This is the sequel reboot, uh, I believe Diana was mentioning. Yep. Got- and the last of the series so far. But yeah, it was uh, keeping some of the same characters. Danny Trejo. Among them, Jeremy, Jeremy Piven, Ricky Gervais, only his voice, uh, Mason Cook, Rowan Blanchard, uh, Daryl Sabara, Alex Vega, Joel McHale, and Jessica Album, Spy Kids, All the Time in the World. Now, I am taking all of the time in the world from you. When the world needs saving. This is the Spy Kids division. Whoa. The power. Where are the kids? Napping. Is in their hands. Where are they really? <laughs> Ridiculous. Fight, 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 fight effects. And, yeah. and, and if you're listening to the show, I, I love experiences like this where we have kind of lived the beginning and end of the saga, the Spy Kids saga. Oh, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Ten, a little over 10 years ago from the first movie to the eventual reboot. Um, mm-hmm. Movies, yeah. Robert Rodriguez I mean, make real fast up, up to Spy Kids 3D, right? And then yeah. a couple years yeah, off. This is in 4D. A Roborama or whatever it's called. It came with a scratch and sniff thing. Wait, did it really? That's what you Which, were referencing? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We're going, we're, yeah, we're pulling a John Waters. I, I appreciate that. That's pretty adorable. Yeah, I mean, it's a soft reboot because the uh, spy kids from the first three movies are here, but they're all grown up. Mm-hmm. So now they're sort of the Q and M of spy kidsing, and they're bringing in new kids who are Jessica Alba's kids. Jessica Alba is a spy. Like the idea was kind of spy mom. Which is like, but it's called Spy Kids. And we already had a spy mom. We had a whole spy family. But she's, I mean, it starts the movie. She's like massively pregnant and doing this spy stuff. And then uh, like she gets kidnapped and and now her kids have to figure out what's going on. They become spy kids. And they have like a robot dog voiced by Rick Future Bass. And they have to stop Jeremy Piven from trying to steal all of time because he wants to like go talk to his dead dad. Oh my God. I mean, 
Yeah, like a lot of it is actually all right. Like some of it is a lot of fun because I'd never seen any of the Spy Kids movies before we started the show. And I mean, definitely did not compare to the first one. It had some fun elements to it. And like the overall message was really good. It was a lot more complicated than I was expecting. Like the message is pretty much like usually something like this, like the the message is like appreciate your family, Mm -hmm. spend time with them. And this is like literally spend time with them because time is finite. You can't go back and change anything. Don't waste time. Spend it with your loved ones. It's like, okay, that's kind of heavy. I don't appreciate we're all going to die being the message of the kids movie, but okay, good. Sure. Hey, Danny Trejo again. Ooh, you know what? <laughs> we're all going to die. So appreciate the time you have is also definitely a theme of this week between yeah. Spy Kids and One Day and The Doctor. It's okay. a pretty common theme. And Bubble Boy. And Bubble, Bubble Boy. Boy. Uh, wow. But... That's, gosh, okay. This has gotten kind of heavy. Um, no, I'm sad. Can I go hug people? Well, uh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I had something a little heavy to bring up. If we moved in TV. Yeah, just um, some, we rarely can tie the show intentionally into recent events, but I just wanted to see if I could because I was mm-hmm. very bummed out by the recent passing of Trevor Moore. Um, mm. Oh God! Yes. At at literally my exact age, like we mm. are the exact same age, and still don't necessarily know how he died. But I really, really like that guy, and can't recommend his Comedy no. Central specials enough. We <laughs> are a month late to the final episode of The Widest Kids You Know that concluded oh. on IFC. It was nice to see, even you know, I've been talking on in the microphones for almost fifteen years, and you know, I have a lot of. We have a lot of younger listeners and we don't always like the same stuff, but I really like that from the moment they figured out how to put internet video on the internet, I remember Why Does Kids You Know? And I really, mm. in the moment you were able to stream stuff on Netflix and Hulu, they had Why Does Kids You Know? And so <laughs> a younger generation grew up with that, like kind of being their weird Mr. Show that is now like kind of mm. hard to find, except on free services so if you haven't seen trevor moore solo comedy central specials this songs kitty history this the country song when the gays got married then they shot out yep. gay spores and all the straight people were in love no more you know we were gonna close with cypress hill but i think we're gonna have to close with that in honor of trevor moore because yeah. When the gays got married, I kind of <laughs> had it in my head for like a week. And then it yeah. gets replaced by Kitty History because I know that's your favorite. I love Kitty History. It's it's <laughs> it's well worth a watch. So is most of Widest Kids You Know. And I know I found out on their YouTube channel, they had kind of, got, during the pandemic, they had gotten together and like streamed a bunch of stuff, games, and including looking back and giving reviews on their old sketches, which is kind of neat. A uh, good way to oh, God. make the best the, of a bad situation. The Lincoln at the theater one. Get the fuck out. I'm coming back with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> the, my, the second Lincoln sketch is my favorite. Now you fucked up. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I love the widest kid you know. Um, and met Trevor one time. Really nice dude. Super devastated and wanted to work him in here somehow, some way. So uh, yeah, watch the widest kid you know. Also on television this week, <laughs> Deadliest Warrior. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm still doing it, man. I am doing every episode of what I was with Spike TV, G4, whoever, Deadliest Warrior, final season. I know, but I, I, who, I, I who want... is it better at winning at stuff, Saddam Hussein or Pol Pot? <laughs> like, this seems kind of like <laughs> to talk about this seriously seems pretty tasteless. <laughs> it's incredibly tasteless. And it really just comes down to like weaponry and sure. tactics. And they go with Saddam as the winner. 
which is like... But they didn't have any weapons. The Bush yeah. administration lied about what that. What evidence were they using for that? Yeah. It's like, but Pol, Pol Pot killed millions of people, but I guess a lot of it was through famine and starvation and forcing them out of the cities and making educated people work. <sighs> and they don't know how to farm. And then everyone wearing glasses is shot because they're too intellectual. So... I'm sorry. I think Pol Pot is a much worse person. <laughs> that wasn't the contest, Diana. That wasn't the contest. Saddam probably sure. does have better weapons. You're you're right. Yeah, we got we got a couple more of these to go, and I'm I'm very happy when we get to the last one. Is I think you'll be a little surprised where the I, show I'm ends not. Up. I'm not going to spoil this for myself. Okay. Then, all right, moving on. That's all there is in television. It's so sad. Yeah, yeah. yeah television <laughs> is super really super light this week. But uh, this is I didn't even notice it until. You know, people were mentioning it on their socials. The death of summer is always when my friend's kids are getting sent back to school. That's what's happening this week. School's starting again. So yeah. media's kind of winding down until September. Uh, yep. then... Oh, my gosh. September music. I, I've learned a lot of things about different industries from the show. And now I know mid-September is when all of the music gets dumped all at once. And this is really bad news because it's always on a Tuesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have a bad September day coming up. Yes. And there is a lot of music on that day. Weirdly, yes. Really got unlucky. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Some real unfortunate album covers there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) And album names. We already talked about Um, some casualties of that. We talked about Lead American. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, books. Books. We do have a book, though. Yeah. So uh, on the 16th, we get Ready Player One. Which I unfortunately have not read, but I know is a big, big sh- book for a lot of our listeners and a lot of people who like the things that this show is about. So we thought we'd bring in one of our friends who oh. has read it and has some opinions. Hello. Hi. Michael Rapar has a video game apocalypse. Wow. Yes. Hello. Hi. Visiting from the other show where I live. And who has, <laughs> who has. He, he lives the, under the desk and I just sort of kicked him. It's, it's Come true. On. It's true. Yeah. Who has, in my opinion, one of the more interesting takes on Ready Player One. Oh, oh, you're setting me up to be way more interesting than I no, am. No, no. Just, just, um, just because like, uh, you're a good critic. Um, for the most part. Oh, thank you. And and we, um, we like the second we saw the movie, you, me, and Diana, we made quite a sport of the movie. Um, yes, I, I was not a fan. But you have multiple experiences with the book. Yeah, I've I've listened to the audiobook several times, and my opinion is that it is much better as an audiobook because the few times that I've tried to read the actual book, I kind of like start to realize like, oh, this is like bad high school level writing. <laughs> like there, there's a bunch of dialogue at first that is just like, yeah, this looks like something that you would write imagining you and your friends having a cool conversation. Whereas if you listen to uh, Will Wheaton read it to you, it, it feels much more credible and entertaining and you don't have to put in the effort to realize it's kind of bad. Uh, <laughs> there, see, I told you. <laughs> yeah, so this is written by written by a guy named Ernest Klein, born in 1972. So his it, like it, he kind of just wrote this Willy Wonka style adventure novel treasure hunt thing about his own personal nostalgia. A lot of it is focused on Atari in the early you know the the 80s in video games and pop culture in general and uh he's actually older than I was expecting yeah, me too. I was not expecting a Gen Xer I was expecting someone born about 80 81 uh, someone no, who has quite. someone who's a little more millennial and so even more steeped in 80s nostalgia than Gen X who we love the 70s damn it well I think I think millennials born in the 80s like 
they they have an idealized idea of the 80s but right. it's maybe not quite the same as nostalgia whereas this mm. this is kind of like you're for someone my age in early 40s like this is your older brother's nostalgia right. like right. it's, the, it's the not like quite... arnold's coney and the barbarian <laughs> yeah, yeah sure yeah <laughs> And and think that hearing the the Basil Polidorus score for it while uh, <laughs> while playing a video game is pretty damn awesome. Um, damn right. Yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated by it because his nostalgia is like it's not mine, but it's adjacent to mine. So it's kind of like hearing somebody enthuse about things that I was sort of dimly aware of at the time. <laughs> Welcome to this fucking show. <laughs> God damn it. When's Spielberg going to give us money? Yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, Spielberg, like the movie kind of Spielberg, I realized like after the fact sort of put his own spin on it because like these, these big uh, challenges, like the copper key, the copper gate, all, all those different things are completely different in the movie. And I realized Spielberg kind of made it more about his own nostalgia For than himself? about Ernest Klein's. Because mm. like Ernest Klein's uh, book is like all the things are patterned after like the tomb of horrors in Dungeons and Dragons. And, and then like this gives the main character a key where he goes to a recreation of this uh, this billionaire CEO who's who's dead and he's giving away his whole fortune uh, goes to a recreation of his hometown and then plays this obscure game on the TRS-80 called Dungeons of Daggerath, and finishing it with the key in his possession, opens this gate, and he goes through the gate, and he finds he's in Matthew Broderick's role in War Games, and now he has to act out the entire movie. Oh, so, so no Chucky bomb or anything like that? No, 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 nothing like that. And but, but like you, you see the movie and you realize, like, okay, this is like King Kong, The Shining. It's things that Spielberg loves, yeah, and and wants to sort of replace, you, you know, replace the original stuff with his his nostalgia and his loves. But you know, they they still call out different things in the background of of various shots. Like you can see a Rush twenty one twelve poster, which again was the the basis of one of the puzzles. He has to go to like this planet that's described in a rush album and uh yeah and it's it's you know you strip away all the nostalgia and it's it's just like a fairly standard treasure hunt adventure novel uh young idealist against an evil corporation who wants to you know someday run the good corporation and mm. I remember, it, yeah, it got dinged a few years back. Uh, by, like a lot of socialist critics went after it. And it's like, so it's it's just kind of like your solution to unchecked corporate uh, evilness mm. is more unchecked corporate evilness, but <laughs> just just well, unchecked corporate goodness, I guess, like libertarianism. It's it's mm. a very libertarian view. And mm. then I think in the the sequel, also Ready Player Two, which came out I think last year, it felt like he was reacting to a lot of the criticism. So it's like it's still about eighties nostalgia, but now he tries to incorporate more things that appealed to women in the eighties, to black people in the eighties. So you've got challenges built around Prince and uh, and um. <laughs> John Hughes movies and the first one of the first uh, video games to be released in the U.S. with a female main character and stuff like that. Like, OK, well, yeah, all right. that's that's trying. Neat. Yeah, trying. Mm. But, you know, he one of the things that made Ready Player One is that most of the time the characters would just spout references and it was up to you whether you got them or not. And it was kind of like, you know, for a nerd, a fun trivia thing like, oh, I know what that quotes from. But in his later books, he just started going like, you know. 
You will die, young Skywalker, I said, imitating the Emperor from Return of the Jedi. Uh, <laughs> in a scene that is on the DVD, chapter yeah. 18, uh-huh. 43 yeah. minutes, 26 yeah. seconds in. And and I kind of feel like maybe an editor got to him and said, like, hey, you know what? You should really make the references clearer so everyone can get them. I was like, well, what's the fun in that? He should have said, that's not what Salman Rushdie does. Because <laughs> it's true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, but so he, anyway. he did he did he did nail the internet being a cesspool of 80s nostalgia though because yeah i i was involved with this month i have talked about he-man more than i've ever wanted to even when i was a child <laughs> but yeah it uh yeah. So to bring sarah back this movie uh we showed this to your stepson and he rolled mm-hmm. it was the first time i saw him roll his eyes yeah it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> When the movie started, and he's like, "Oh, there's a Minecraft world. Fuck. Of course there is. Aw, yeah. he's becoming a teenager. I know. <laughs> that, was, that was also one of the things I didn't like about the movie was that uh, in the book, like, the main character is is desperately poor. And when he goes into the, the Oasis, which is like, it's free, but you have to pay for everything inside of it. It's, it's sort of a you know prophetic look at free to play games. Mm-hmm. Like he's poor in there too. Whereas in the movie, he's just like, nah, in the Oasis, I'm a rock star. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Mm. It's, yeah, it's a little bit of a difference. Even my fantasy world sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Even the fantasy world sucks, but it's still better than the real life dystopia that you barely get to see in the book. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's like uh, the, all the resources are used up. Everybody's miserable. Uh, trailer parks have become these horrific, rickety skyscrapers of trailers stacked on top of each other. And that's where most people live. Uh, mm. Which I quite yeah. liked how they looked in the movie. Well, just to, just while you have Michael here, don't go off too much because we have another show to do about this. Video games out this week, 10 years ago, August 13th through the 19th. Not many. Shin Megami Tensei, Devil Survivor Overclocked. Ooh, with Dante from Devil May Cry. Look, can you tell he hosts a video game podcast? <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, no. That's, that's I'm thinking Nocturne. Yeah. It's, uh, Devil Survivor's a different one. Never mind. He's wiki-parsing himself. Uh, Hysteria Project yep. 2. <laughs> and then the big one, Deus Ex Human Revolution is out. Oh. Uh, Officially yeah. 10 years old. Fantastic. I probably yeah. still have my E3 hotel key that had it on. Had him on there. I, th- I think I do somewhere too. <laughs> I remember uh, like doing a, a uh, news article about it and like, hey, look, even the hotel keys are E3 themed. And somebody was like, of course they're E3 themed. Who cares? <laughs> My boss yeah. and our content. You know what? Role? That person works in event planning or hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, look- that person was a, a professional uh, kvetcher at video game critics. Anyway, right. more yeah. of that patreon.com slash laser time. And of course, Video Game Apocalypse every Friday. Do we have our theme for this this week? Uh, yeah, top five games with rat swarms. <laughs> Yay! Rat swarms in games. Oh, is it in honor of a Suicide movie Squad? that just came yeah. out? Yeah. Uh, that's that's incidental. It's also in honor of a game that's coming out. So it's it's a two pronged rat swarm assault. <laughs> that was truly a beautiful moment. It in really the Suicide was. Squad. It really was. Yeah. Not to get too spoilery, but yes. Well, just that there's a rat swarm. Mm-hmm. Big one. Yeah, very big one. Idris Elba cries. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Michael. All right. Thank hey. you. Thanks, hon. All right. Get back under the desk. Yes. All right. Yes, please. Get and under there. I go. Ah! 
knocking over everything on his way out. Great job. <laughs> and that is Don't almost. Don't apologize to me. It's your shit. That is almost it for the show. But in case you didn't know, uh, people might skip the plugs. We do a we tell you who died during this period and uh, a quiz on if you can guess who was born based on obscure details. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Patreon.com slash LazerTime supports this show and the entire LazerTime network. LazerTime, we put up one of it with comedic duos. uh, Kind of one of my favorite formulas. They're stupid, smart. The stupider, the better. I love movies with two comic leads. Always fun. Wayne's World, Bill and Ted, Romy and Michelle. It's all great. Home Alone. Uh, Home home Alone. The Wet Bandits. Yeah. You think they're too... I I mean... I was I was thinking of Macaulay Culkin being alone. Those are sort of the villains, but they those are comedic duos. We could probably do that. They've appeared in more than one movie. Should have been on the episode, Sarah. And uh, Video Game Apocalypse this week, you heard rats, rats, rats. And I played. I I I think I have one of my game of the years. Um, oh. Found one of my game of the years this week, so that ain't nothing. Uh, Patreon.com slash Laser Time bonus time. Sarah and Sam were just on talking about COVID scares and Pig and Zola. And Pig and Zola sound, would sounds delicious right now. Um, <laughs> and Jungle Cruise, which I still have not gotten to seeing yet. And Di, where can people find you? How about that? Well, they can find me on the Twitter at ListenAnerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. And coming up next week, we have a movie starring one of those comedic duos that I believe you talked about. If you didn't talk about them, you're punching yourself in the face right now because Mm. we're going to have a movie about a comedic duo. They're usually at the side of things. And this time they get their own movie where they go to Hollywood and they try to stop Cockknocker. Did we not talk about, I think, I don't know if we did, Um, but I love talking about this. I thought we talked about this movie already. No, Um, we have not. We have talked about dogma, but we have not talked about Jay and Simon Bob. That's great. For a while now. I love talking about about him next week. Also, another movie that is one of my favorites of all fucking time. Also about people going to Hollywood. Only this time it's more about Clifford Odets and how much it sucks to meet William Faulkner and mosquitoes and John Goodman living next door to you. Yes, Ooh. you may have heard it's Barton. It's Barton is- Fink time! Fink! Barton! One of the fucking great movie. And, and, and the, <laughs> the first time you learn, why do I get so happy when John Goodman screams? Uh, prolonged oh. screams. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Look upon me! Oh, he already did it in Raising Arizona. God, I love John Goodman in uh, Coen Brothers films. It is films. a really good performance. Like, it's funny, but it's, it's got some heft to it. It's, yeah, Barton Fink, everyone. Check it out. All anyway. Right. Di- we got to find out who died. Who died? Nobody! Nobody! Yay! Nobody. Oh. I found no famous people dying bow, 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 bow. this week. Bow, bow, bow. Almost never get that kind of week, but with the deaths... Well, maybe the God, overpopulation. Nobody died, but we're still bringing people into the world. Bubba, my birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. I usually I I go for round number birthdays. I couldn't find any good ones this week. So turning thirty-eight. Okay. This week, born August fourteenth, nineteen eighty-three, in Chernivtsi, Ukraine. Whoa. Uh, her grandparents are Holocaust survivors, as pretty much any Jew living in Ukraine is. You say 1988? Uh, 83. 83. Her parents were a mechanical engineer and a teacher. They came to the U.S. when she was seven with $250, and they couldn't get work in their profession, so they did shit labor. They put her, at age seven, into school knowing zero English. Whoa. She was really fucking traumatized by it. Then uh, two years later, her dad put her in acting classes to work on her English some, and she started booking commercials within a year. Mila Kunis? It is Mila Kunis! What the fuck? Uh, 
How did you do that? Was, was there a commercial you remember her being in? No, I just remember that backstory mm. of yeah. her. Uh, it's pretty specific. Not knowing English and da da da. Yeah, I can't imagine being in second grade and they dump you into a class where it's not just you don't know the language, you don't know the alphabet. Yeah, that's. Oof, oof. And yeah, she says like she's repressed all of that time. Uh, yeah, so she started getting commercials for like Lisa Frank when she was ten. I love this story so much. When she was eleven, she auditioned to play a Russian girl who moves to America, and instead she was cast as the Latino best friend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's some good clips of her giving shit to Russian journalists, asking rude questions or stuff like that, and they forget. Oh, she's fluent. That's her first language. Wow, that's cool. It's pretty cool. Anyway, movies of hers that we have talked about. Black Swan. You don't know most of them that she's in them. Santa with Muscles, Krippendorf's Cry, Tribe, Get Over It. <laughs> Max Payne, Extract, Book of Eli, Date Night, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Family Guy. She's been on since like 99, yeah. 2000. That 70s show, she was 14 when she got cast on that. Mm-hmm. She lied about her age because she looked closer to 18. Uh, Friends with Benefits and Black Swan. Yay, Mila Kunis. We like Yay. her. Yay. You're pretty cool. Pew, 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 pew. She is pretty cool. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. What do you want to go out with, Diana? Well, I was going to go out with How Could I Just Kill a Man by Cypress Hill because it's one of their big hits. It's a song that has a follow-up song, which I always I love, love sequel that songs. But you did talk about Trevor Moore and are we ever going to get another opportunity to play When the Gays Got Married? The Gays Got Married, such a good song. And the yeah. only music video I can think of off the top of my head to potentially feature a Capital Rioter. Oh. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how that shook out, but maybe. But correct me if I'm wrong, community. Uh, when the gays got married. God, that's, it's such a funny video. And, 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 and the best argument I've seen, I like to use the argument, remember he guys hated gay marriage and then it happened? And it didn't affect your life at all, and you don't even bother to complain about it anymore because it like affects you this little. This is the story of: Is this what you thought was going to happen? <laughs> They're going to grow gay spores. Yeah. R.I.P. Trevor Moore. Thank you so much for listening. Patreon.com/slash/LazyTime. Tell a friend about the show if you got time, and we'll see you next week. And the gays got married, and the plant shut down, and the crops dried up. And the state said cool And they made all the kids